Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a special edition of Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 259 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm Chad Dotson with me today for a midweek opening week podcast special edition. It's Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am okay. <laughs> yeah, not going to say that we're great, but, and we'll get into why uh, in just one moment. You know, this is opening week of the Major League Baseball season. The Reds will open up uh, later this week, and usually we record a podcast uh, and deliver it to you Friday mornings. And this week we thought, hey, uh, Jason and Bill and I were talking, said, let's do a uh, an extra podcast this week, just for funsies, not a, not a Patreon special podcast. Uh, there'll be one of those coming soon. But uh, just one for the regular feed for uh, everybody that's uh, that listens, drop an extra one in for them. And the idea behind doing this was number one, we like to talk about the Reds uh, for you guys. But it was it was really the, we thought the Reds will have their roster set by then, and we kind of talked about our predictions on the roster in the last podcast. But just we want to go over the roster and, and and sort of give our expectations for the season now that we know exactly what the roster is going to be. And then we got some news in the meantime, uh, didn't we, Jason? We did get some news. <laughs> let's, let's hold on for just a moment before we get to that news. Now, the regular podcast this week will still uh, come later in the week. It's going to be me and probably Bill Lack, but it's going to be an all-viewer mail podcast. So uh, we're going to record it on opening day, and I'm going to solicit your questions here soon. Go ahead and send them to us with the hashtag, or the hash brown, as Jason calls it, hash brown viewer mail. And um, words in my mouth. That's those are the words that you always use, and uh, we're just going to answer all your questions about the Reds or otherwise on Thursday's episode or Friday's episode. But today we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds, the opening day roster, and uh, something. Hey, Chad. Yes. Can Can I do a special live edition of a listener mail question just for you before we really get started? <laughs> Why, sure. How's that basketball team looking? Oh, Jason. Jason. Two words. Sweet 16. <laughs> they didn't lose to Gardner-Webb. They did not, and I always give you such a hard time about it. I thought I should give, let you be happy for a moment. <laughs> well, and I do appreciate that, Jason. You know, everyone here knows that I'm, uh, if you've listened for any length of time, that I'm a big uh, University of Virginia basketball uh, well, all athletics uh, fan, but and they've got, they give me some heartburn. Well, this year, <laughs> my wife thinks it's hilarious uh, the way that uh, you know I sat on the couch and well, I didn't sit much. I stood the whole second half, but and watched the uh, Virginia game against the number sixteen seed Gardner Webb from the the Big South Conference. Uh, they beat Radford in their championship game to make it to the tournament, and I was nervous as could be, and it looked for a long time like Virginia was going to lose, but they didn't, and so I was happy. And then I was unhappy because we got news about baseball. See, I'm going to, I'm going to turn it right back around because we really have to, we, uh, we texted about this over the weekend a little bit and, um, really sort of thought about doing a, going ahead and doing a, uh, an emergency episode of the podcast over the weekend, but I really wanted to let things settle a little bit and, and let's not uh, react emotionally. 
20 seconds or so of me just screaming into the darkness, <laughs> followed by like another 20 minutes of dead silence. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, that was what it was going to be. And of course, you all know what we're talking about, which is that the Reds announced that Nick Senzel, they actually sent him to minor league camp. They cut Nick Senzel. He's not going to start the season on the opening day roster. And Reds president of baseball operations, Dick Williams, said specifically, this has nothing to do with service time considerations. <laughs> Jason, uh, you already told us that your reaction was, uh, you know, a groan and a scream. Um, let me take, let you, I'm going to set this one on the tee for you and let you uh, take a swing at it first because All right. we were we were upset that day a little bit. Here, here I go. Are you ready? <laughs> I don't think I am, but I'm looking forward to it. So first of all, they sent Nick Senzel down. Let's I'm just going to I'm just going to quickly hit all of the points of everything that is wrong with this. They sent Nick, Nick Senzel down saying that it's not a service time issue when it is 100% for sure a service time issue. But that also means that they're saying that Scott Shebler won the job. So what are they going how how is Scott Shebler going to feel when they take the job away from him in 2 weeks? I'm borrowing that particular thought from Phil Razor, who'll be very happy that I said his name. Hi Phil Razor. He loves when you, he loves when we say his name. Yeah. Second, and this is the most remarkable, the next, the very next day, not even 24 hours after they sent Sinzel down, Scooter Jeanette got hurt. And upon Scooter Jeanette getting hurt, it's not like, oh, I don't know, they had one of the top 10 prospects in baseball who spent last season playing second base available to replace him or anything. No, they announced that they were going to slide Peraza over, start Iglesias at short, and that Kyle Farmer... Kyle Farmer was going to make the team as a utility player and third catcher. Utterly absurd. Utterly absurd. And it just, I, I swear, if one more team tells me that a top prospect being sent down, it's not about service time. Like, I know that I've seen, like, opinions that it's not, like, a, a violation of the labor agreement or whatever for them to do this, but... But if it's not, boy, they sure spend a whole lot of time making sure that they don't say it's about service time. And there is absolutely, despite what they say, there is absolutely no question whatsoever that this is service time related. I mean, there's really no, you can't make any kind of argument to the contrary, can you? You really cannot make any argument to the contrary. It is 100% about service time. Oh, so here's the, okay, there's so much to unpack here. Uh, because, um, you know, the Reds didn't just uh, fool us. They fooled a lot of people. You know, uh, Trent Rosecrans, Reds beat writer, he thought Nixon Zell was making it. I mean, it, it wasn't just like this was a foregone yeah. conclusion that this is the obvious business move and, you know, uh, the powers that be lecture us. Uh, and so here's the way I, here's the way I put it uh, on Twitter. Uh, this is sort of how I summed up my thoughts. Still very happy with all the things the Reds did this offseason. Okay. And I think the front office has a lot going for them. Um, but the fact of the matter is, <laughs> in the wake of that Scooter Jeanette injury, there are no arguments for keeping Sinzel in AAA, um, and, uh, except for service time considerations. And if that's your argument, okay, that's fine. The Reds aren't saying that. They're insulting our intelligence. They're trying to make us believe that it's for other reasons. And I, it just it amazes me how dumb do they think we are. And the matter of fact, uh, a, a lot of Reds fans believe them when they say that. 
And I'm telling you, if you believe them that it's not for something other than service time considerations, you're you're sort of blindly following someone who thinks you're too stupid to understand the truth. I mean, they, I really I, they, I don't want to put it that way, but that's the, that's the way that's the truth, right? They announced that Jesse Winker is going to be the backup center fielder. Yeah, yeah. Jesse, I, listen, Jesse Winker is a good player. I like Jesse Winker very much. But I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> he can he can barely play left field. But yeah, yeah, yes. And, and, and I, you know, it's it's funny, you know, what you say about people believing whatever the Reds feed them. I threw a poll up on my just on my Twitter feed a, a couple of days ago, asking. I said on April thirteenth, which is the earliest day he can be called up and and not accrue a full year of service time. Nick Senzel will be, and I gave three choices: playing in Louisville, starting at second, and starting in center. And playing in Louisville got 41% of the vote. So 41% of the people who follow me on Twitter, at least, and I mean, that already draws their intelligence into question, frankly. <laughs> um, 41% of the people who follow me on Twitter really think that he's down there because because baseball reasons and not because service time reasons. <laughs> it's it's ludicrous. And, and the shenanigans the Reds have pulled this week to keep him in AAA – despite all evidence to the contrary that he should be in the major leagues. It's just... It, yes. It, 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 let's, let's, play our, let's play our shortstop who's ready to break out, out of position. Let's play the guy we assigned to be our backup infielder every day at shortstop. And let's put one of the uh, possibly... <laughs> possibly uh, let, let's put a player who is just barely not bad enough in the corner outfield spot to, to merit actually playing every day. And let's have him be the backup center fielder. And you're starting center fielder as a guy who, you know, is probably not a center fielder. And you're, yeah, your starting center fielder is a guy who was born to be a corner outfielder or a really good fourth outfielder. And, and here's the part that I don't, I don't want to get lost. Uh, I really like Scott Shevler. Yeah, I, I do too. Yes. I, I really like Jesse Winker. I really like yes. Jose Peraza. I really like uh, Iglesias, Jose Iglesias. Those are guys that I want on my roster. But the, the way they're moving all these guys around, just to avoid spending some of Bob Castellini's money in 2025, is absolutely infuriating to me. I said I wasn't angry, but the more I think about it, anger, it's not really anger. It's just, uh, you know, I feel like a sucker for kind of buying into what they were telling me. Yeah. You know. Um, I let the Reds sucker me into believing that they were going to do everything in their power to win as many games as possible this year. This is an organization that has had losing seasons in 17 of the last 22 years who have not even tried to put a competitive product on the field for at least the last four that they've come in last place and lost and, 90 or more games. And let's, let's, let's also like acknowledge the fact that, you know, as the off season started, Castellini was all, well, we're going to get the pitching and we're going to have record payroll and all of this and all of that. And yet when it comes down to it, the final decision they make before breaking camp is absolutely a penny pinching decision about how much money they will have to pay somebody in like six years. And not just that, it's a decision that does not maximize their ability to win as many games as possible yeah. this year. And people are like, oh, really? You think not having Sinzel on the roster is going to be the difference between the playoffs and not? And to me, that's not the point. There are 162 games. Every game matters. And the Reds never. And the Reds did a lot this offseason to improve the team. I'll concede that. But they never, ever had any intention whatsoever of 
maximizing the number of wins. They never had any intention whatsoever of having the quote-unquote best 25 on the roster to start the yeah. season. Uh, they're willing to punt how many ever weeks with an inferior roster, which includes Kyle Farmer now instead of Nixon Zell. And Farmer's a guy that I don't mind having around, uh, you know, as a 25th guy on, on the roster. It's not a knock on him, but he's not Nixon Zell. And, uh, you know... In terms of like, you know, how is it likely that Nixon Zell is going to matter? Let's let's take a minute and reflect on the fact that basically every projection system has the entire NL Central as being like five different variations on a theme. It's all the same team. It is like the tightest division in baseball. It would literally not be surprising if there were a three-way tie for first place. And you want to tell me having the best 25 players for the first two weeks doesn't matter? Jason... It's not service time considerations. This is the best 25. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. No. That's, that's what they're telling us. Yeah. I believe him. <laughs> well, some people do. I'll never believe anything they tell me again. And I shouldn't have this time, but I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to believe, I think is what happened, you know, and because they had done so much to improve the roster, you know, coming into the, the this uh, spring. And, uh, you know, we keep hearing this about, going to have the best 25. And so I'm thinking, you know what? Uh, they're going to do this. And never should have believed them because they literally, uh, and there's no question whatsoever that, that they didn't have any intention of putting the best team on the field from day one. And so they're willing to accept an inferior product on the field. Again, to and, save and, Bob Castellini some money in 2025. And let's, I mean, let's also just be clear that Nixon Zell played a pretty good center field in spring training. And, he hit perfectly well for spring training. He had the weird thing where he didn't walk any, but nobody in their right mind thinks that's going to carry over. Um, there's no, like, he did not have the kind of spring where you're like, oh, well, this guy's just not ready yet. No, uh-uh, it wasn't that. Yeah, he no. hit, and he played center field well. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I I, I can imagine in the in behind closed doors, they were sort of hoping, oh, man, maybe he'll fall flat on his face a little bit this spring, and that'll give us an excuse because more people will buy it then. Because they went into spring with no intention of having him on the roster. You, you know what's potentially going to be really funny? And by funny, I mean painful when it happens or if it happens. What's that? What if for the first, say, two weeks of the season, Scott Shebler just tears the cover off the ball? Yeah. He's hit 400. He's got five or six home runs in the first couple of weeks, right? And Nick Senzel maybe scuffles just a little bit. Maybe hits like 270 or 280 or something down in AAA. Nothing disastrous, but, you know, pretty pretty pedestrian numbers. And then all of a sudden, Nick Senzel is starting in center field over Scott Shepler. Yeah, that'll, that'll put the proof to their lie. But you know there will still then be people who are like, no, no, you know, he was ready to play center field now. He got that game exposure down in Louisville. Yeah, he played six games in Louisville, which is basically right. what it's going to be before uh, he comes Louisville up. doesn't even open at home until April 11th. Like, he doesn't he doesn't even need to to get a place down here. Yeah, the part of it that bothers me the most is I know why they're doing it, but they really believe I'm going to that they can insult my intelligence like that, and I'm going to believe it. Um, it's just. Yeah. It, you know, after the and I think a lot of a lot more people saw that um, they're just screwing around with us when Scooter got hurt. And let's uh, dig into that a little bit more because Scooter, yeah. Scooter Jeanette, uh, oh, unfortunately, 
uh, an MRI revealed that Scooter suffered a severe right groin strain, which sounds awful. Going to be out for 8 to 12 weeks, which uh, basically puts us uh, late May to mid-June. Yeah. Um, so a couple months of the season, at least, he's going to miss, uh, and maybe more. And so, okay, they send him down. He's no, oh, he needs some seasoning. He needs to marinate to learn center field more. Nixon Zell does. Okay, well now your second baseman's out. The heir apparent has been ready for the big leagues for more than a year. You know they held him down last year when Suarez got hurt when they should have yeah. brought him up, uh, and here we are a year later and a very similar thing. Second base, everyone sort of feels like that's his long-term position. The spot is open now. And what happens? <laughs> then they still say they're going to leave him down there. Well, he's show he's on this great trajectory as a center fielder. We're going to leave him down there. Um, oh, I don't know. We keep coming back to Nick Senzel, but um, this is what shows me that they're not serious about putting the best team on the field. Because now Scooter, who's a, a valuable member of this team, he's an all-star. He was expected to be one of the big hitters in the lineup. He's gone for a couple of months. Yeah. And the Reds are going to essentially replace him with Jose Iglesias, who's a great defender, yeah, but who can't hit. So, yeah. so the Reds lineup is significantly worse from day one. Yes, <laughs> and it matters to who me and you, I guess, whining about it on a podcast. Yeah. So, anyway, what any thoughts on Scooter? Um. I mean, it stinks. You know, one thing um, I did find, I was just kind of playing around as I do and looking at statistics and, and things today. And and I did notice, I suppose, somewhat encouragingly that um, what I was thinking about was that I knew that Scooter's numbers were skewed because he had a really insane May last year. And I knew that Peraza hit really well kind of in the second half. And so I, I started looking at their splits just because I was curious. And, uh, Starting from June 1st until the end of the season, Jose Peraza hit 305, 344, 465, which is quite good. That's uh, that's a, a that's 14% better than league average. That's good. Over that span. Yeah. For a shortstop, that's phenomenal. Um, and Scooter Jeanette, over the same time period, hit 292, 347, 456, which is 13% better than league average. So Jose Peraza was actually a little bit better of a hitter than Scooter Jeanette was for the last two thirds of the season last year. And that's more than 400 plate appearances um, for each of them. So that's encouraging in that, you know, if this, and I think I I've said for a long time, as, as I think everybody who listens knows that, that I thought Jose Peraza was, was going to turn into something. And that um, really honestly, since the first time I saw him swing the bat in Louisville, like I, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I remember specifically that he did not swing at everything. Like I thought he was going to, and when he hit the ball, we the what we'd heard about him was that he was kind of a Billy Hamilton type hitter. He hit it harder than I'd ever seen Billy Hamilton hit the ball, um, and I was like, okay, when this kid when he finishes developing, he's going to be something. And so I won't be surprised at all, actually, if the Reds have uh, three infielders make the All Star game again this year, and it's just that one of them is Jose Peraza. Yeah. I mean, uh, you wouldn't be surprised uh, given the trajectory he's on. I mean, we'll see. He didn't start out very well last year, and that was uh, part of the reason why the narrative got cast. Yeah, that he, uh, you know, his kid can't hit. Um, but he did have a good season, and I think that is very encouraging. And actually, if you're trying to put the best lineup on the field, Peraza at shortstop, that hitting like that, I mean, that's fantastic. That makes this lineup 
You know, Imagine good the lineup would be if Peraza was at shortstop and Senzel was at second. If only Nick Senzel could play second base, boy, wouldn't that be something? Gosh, I'm trying to imagine it, but I can't really imagine it because I don't think there's any evidence that he can play second base. No, not at all. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. He's a center fielder. Yes, always has been, always will be. Yeah, he, he, needs, to, he needs to get some more work on that, though. Let him marinate. So it's unfortunate about Scooter uh, because that does uh, affect the lineup, and it does make the lineup weaker. Even if Senzel were here, it would make the lineup weaker because um, Scooter hit, can hit. You know, he's he's not uh, he's not Babe Ruth, he's not Joey Votto, but uh, but he can hit, and so that hurts. And uh, they're essentially replacing him with Jose Iglesias, who again I love as a backup shortstop, backup infielder. Love love it having that guy. Uh, his his glove is amazing, but. Yeah, he's never hit. He's not going to hit. So uh, the lineup is going to be worse until they decide to bring Sinzel up, whenever that'll be. And uh, the defense is very likely. Well, the infield defense will be better. The outfield defense will be worse. So I don't know. Make of that what you will. I think the infield defense is likely to be substantially better. Yeah. I mean, the thing, though, also, again, is that Nick Sinzel is really a very good defensive second baseman. <laughs> so... Oh, true. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, if, if you could, yeah, you could have the offense and the defense if, you know, huh, if, Nick Senzel were ready for the major leagues. If, if you wanted to win games. Yeah. If that were the primary consideration in 2019 for a professional baseball organization, they've got the horses to do that. Interesting. That's interesting theory, Jason. All right. So we were going to talk about the opening day roster and let's go ahead and uh, to kind of dig into what's actually going to be the opening day roster. Still one decision to be made. We'll talk about that at the end when we get to the bullpen, but everything else is set. So uh, right now your infielders are, I guess, uh, Votto, Peraza, Iglesias, Derek Dietrich, and Kyle Farmer. Unless I missed yeah. Okay, your catchers, and I want to well, talk about say Tucker because not yet, not yet, because uh, I want to. I want to. You had an interesting uh, theory about uh, about Tucker. I wanted to get into so those those are your infielders, um, Vado, Peraza, Iglesias, Suarez. I didn't say Eugenio yeah, Suarez, Suarez, and uh, Derek Dietrich and Kyle Farmer. Yeah, um, your catchers, as expected. Tucker Barnhart and Kirk Casale. Now you sent me something. Uh, you had a thought about uh, Barnhart and Casale, and I want to let you try to unpack that a little bit about uh, the the change that we've seen in uh, the way catcher wins above replacement is uh, is calculated uh, related to pitch framing. I think. Yeah. So okay. So a number of years ago, um, you know, basically when we started being able to to the position of every pitch that's thrown, right? Um, it became apparent through um, through the people who spend all of their time looking at this stuff that some catchers got a lot more strikes than they should and some didn't get as many strikes as they should. Basically, pitch framing, um, which is making it look for the umpire like it's a strike or a, or a ball or whatever. Um, and that has value. You know, I mean, it, it, it seems fairly obvious, for instance, that if it's a 1-1 count and you throw a ball, but the catcher makes the umpire think it was a strike, that obviously has a lot of value. A 1-2 count's a lot better than a 2-1 count. And these things have run values. And, and 
people much smarter than 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 you or I have figured out how much these things are worth, basically in terms of runs. And so you can figure out basically how many runs over the course of a year does a catcher help or hurt his team based on his his pitch framing abilities. Um, and one of the things is that Barnhart has actually kind of, for all of his uh, defensive prowess otherwise, has been kind of consistently well below average and, and really pretty bad when it comes to pitch framing. And that's from, uh, the, that's from the very beginning of all the, these pitch framing metrics. He's always rated yeah. low, even when he was, you know, outstanding in every other aspect of, yes. of catch, catching as, as a defender. And he, of course, won a gold glove. Right. And so, so finally what happened this, this last week or two ago, um, Fangraphs incorporated the pitch framing measurements into their wins above replacement calculation. And I do want to say that, that at least as I understand it, pitch framing is one of the more reliable defensive statistics we have because it can be precisely measured and it is pretty cut and dried. Like, was this ball called a strike? Should it have been called a strike? How often does this happen? with one catcher versus another catcher. I mean, it's, it's pretty cut and dried. Um, and what's happened is that it has, in terms of wins above replacement, absolutely destroyed Tucker Barnhart's value. So that what's happening now, according to field, or field graphs, fan graphs, is that... What about field graphs? What do they say? Field graphs. Across 1,700 plate appearances in his major league career, okay, Tucker Barnhart, this has now been, for a regular position player, that's about three seasons worth of plate appearances. Tucker Barnhart has been worth 1.5 wins above replacement, which will be below average for a single season. Kirk Casale, in 622 plate appearances, or roughly one season, over his major league career, thanks to pitch framing, has now been worth 2.3 wins above replacement. Mm. So they're actually, if you take pitch framing into account, there's a fair case to be made that Kirk Casale should maybe be the number one catcher on this team. Okay. Let me, uh, that's pretty wild uh, statement given the I, way. I, uh, I like to make wild statements. I noticed that. Let me uh, add some caveats here. First of all, any defensive statistic, I'm still looking at with a grain of salt, um, including pitch framing. I agree. It's, it's considered to be uh, among the most reliable, um, and pitch framing is a real thing. I mean, you should watch my daughter do it to these uh, idiot umpires that uh, at her games. She's still strong. Some dude on Twitter said that he is an umpire and nobody ever fools him. Oh my goodness! My daughter in softball games, man, she is stealing uh, strikes all the time, and the other catcher on their team stealing strikes. It's so obvious these, you know, but these aren't major league umps. But it absolutely happens on the big league level, and again, it helps a team. Every strike you can steal. Uh, all right, so defensive statistics, you know, I mean, okay. I'm willing to buy some of that, but I'm also taking it with a healthy uh, dose of uh, skepticism. Yeah. Other, other thing is uh, defensive statistics, period, are sort of the same with uh, wins above replacement. You know, it's a valuable statistic, but it's also, you know, um, bad data in, bad data out. You know, you, know, you got to take wins above It's not a catch-all. It, it is a catch-all statistic, but it's really not the end argument that everyone wants it to be. And um, the other thing is, I'm not completely convinced that Casali is quite as good a hitter as we have seen. Um, well, that, that's the other thing I was going to say, though, is that, right, he's probably not as good as we have seen, but the projection systems thinks that he think that he and Tucker Barnhart 
are almost exactly the same hitter. Okay. Well, then I guess the question for the Reds need to be needs to be well, and it will be, how much do they trust the pitch frame, and how much do they value that? Because it, it's pretty clear that at this point that Barnhart is not good at, at at pitch framing. So the Reds have to make a determination how much do they value that, and maybe adjust playing time accordingly. So you're saying a fifty fifty split is uh, not a bad idea in your eyes. No, I don't think it's a bad idea. And it does make you also think a little bit harder about uh, when there were all the rumors that the Reds were trying to get a hold of JT Realmuto, um, who did not suffer, uh, at least not in a substantial way, from the pitch framing adjustment. Yeah. Um, very, very interesting. Yeah. But they're both on the team now. Yes, you give me something on... to think about. I'm thinking about it as we talk uh, because Barnhart's been essentially the assumed, presumed starter, and that's uh, that's kind of fascinating results there. Yeah, and I wonder. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure that the Reds have these numbers. Obviously, they they have probably slightly better numbers than are publicly sure. available. Yes, they're aware. Um, so it really wouldn't surprise me this year if all of a sudden, you know, what it also made me think about. Remember last year. When everybody was like, when when Votto was briefly hurt and Barnhart was getting all those starts at first base. Yeah. Everybody's like, he's a gold glove catcher. Why is he starting at first base? And now I'm just kind of like, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting to, to watch how the playing time is kind of split up between those two this yeah. year and if we can draw any conclusions from that. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe Tucker just needs to go down and uh, work on his pitch framing. You think he's big league ready? I'm not sure he's quite big league ready with his pitch framing. Yeesh. All right, so those are your uh, your infielders and catchers. <laughs> and uh, bless you, was that a sneeze? That was a cough. Oh, wow. You got strange-sounding coughs there in uh, Kentucky. I am strange. That's a fact. All right, so um, your outfielders. All right. Your outfielders do not include Nick Senzel. They do include uh, Scott Shebler. Um, Matt Kemp, um, Yasiel Puig, and who else am I forgetting? I guess I added Dietrich in as a, an infielder. Yeah. He's a backup outfielder as well. I think that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah, that's, that's it. Good. And no Sinzel. Hey, by the way, we didn't mention it earlier, but uh, Sinzel said all the right things. In the way he's being sent down? His agents say the wrong things. Oh, but his agents said what he really wanted to say. Yeah. Uh, and if you, did, you all didn't see that, go look at what his agent said, which is this is just a – he blasted the Reds for blatant uh, manipulation of service time, that he's big league ready, and that um, clearly every game doesn't matter with this team. Uh, it was – And, you know, I can't remember who it was, but somebody caught Sinzel in a more candid moment earlier in spring training, and, and Sinzel flat out said that he didn't think that – he really had any shot of actually breaking camp with the yeah. team. Um, because so. of the service time reason. Yeah. Which is, oh. but it's, but wait a minute, hold on. I'll have to find the quote because I was told it was not about, about service time considerations. So I don't know what his agent's talking about. Yeah, no, because, because the Reds front office is definitely trustworthy on this matter. Yeah. So I'm glad that they are, uh, you know, have, sort of uh, sticking a pin in relations with uh, Sinzel and his agent and upsetting them here on the front end. Uh, I hope that doesn't come back to bite them later. Um, but I kind of hope it does. 
Anyway, all right, there's your outfield. Presumably, Scott Shelburne's going to get most... Jesse Winker. I didn't say Jesse Winker. That's the other one. We talked about him earlier. Um, so, presumably, you got four outfielders there with Shebler, Winker, Kemp, and Puig. They're all going to play a lot, I imagine. We'll, you know, I don't know how it's going to play out, but they're all going to play a lot. Uh, Winker in center field, even. Um, <laughs> it's just it's mind-blowing. Your starting pitchers. Let's go to the starting pitchers. Luis Castillo getting the opening day start. Um, you've got Tanner Roark's going to make it. You've got uh, Anthony DiSclafani is going to make it. You've got Sonny Gray is going to make it after a, a really a magnificent spring. And then Tyler Malley is your fifth starter, all as we expected and predicted. And uh, Malley likely goes back down, hopefully within a couple weeks. When Not that I want him to go down to AAA, no. but uh, hopefully Alex Wood will be healthy. Because Alex yeah. Wood's a guy that I think, I think Reds fans are really going to like if he's healthy. So... Uh, pitching staff, uh, as we expected, um, before with, you know, other than Alex Wood. Now your bullpen, and this is where the only question still remains. So let's see if we can uh, name out, name down these relievers that have made the team. There are two spots still available. So, right. so six have been claimed. Rizelli Glacius, um, M- Michael Lorenzen, David Hernandez, Jared Hughes, um, Zach Duke. That's five. Who am I missing? That has this team made. Did you say Garrett? Amir Garrett. Thank you. Amir Garrett. That's the last one. So um, those six are on the team. Now, there are two spots still open. Those two spots are between Wandy Peralta, Matt Whistler, and Robert Stevenson, Bob Steve. And of course, as if you recall from our last podcast, because all of you better have listened to our last podcast, Whistler and Stevenson are out of options. So if they don't make the team, they get cut. And the other option is Wandy Peralta. Um, and I don't understand really why this is a question. I, I think you agree with me who you would take. If those are the three that you've got to choose from, you got yeah. to take two of them. I think you agree you take Matt Whistler and Robert Stevenson, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't see why it's even close. Yeah. I, and, you know, and I, I will also say that this is an, an instance, this is very different. We we talked about it a little bit last time, but this is very different from the Sinzel situation because you've got Cody Reed and Sal Romano who are probably your seventh and eighth best relief pitchers. Yes. But we also know that you're going to need more than eight relief pitchers throughout the year. So... Whenever somebody inevitably gets hurt, then you have those guys there to call up. And so you're keeping Stevenson and Whistler, who are probably your ninth and tenth best relief pitchers on the roster, knowing that they're going to be they're going to get innings over the course of the season anyway. And if you lose those guys, then all of a sudden you're down. You're using your eleventh and twelfth best relief pitchers throughout the season instead. Um, And so that's that's very different than. You know, it would be the Senzel situation would be equivalent of ten of them deciding that they needed to send Iglesias down for some reason, um, or Garrett, who I think technically I can't remember if Garrett's out of options or not. I think he is out of options. But if they were to send Garrett down, we would all be like, "Why? What? This doesn't make any sense at all." Um, and so, yeah, it's it's okay. I'm fine with it. I think I think it's a reasonable decision to make. 
um, given the circumstances. Um, but I don't understand why, what the question is with Peralta, especially because he has an option even. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, if, do you need a left-hander? Well, then keep Cody Reed uh, over yeah. Peralta. You know, uh, Peralta, I'm just – I'm sorry to say Peralta's just really not good. He was really good in his first month with the Reds. He had a 1.54 ERA yeah. in 12 games in April, his first month with the Reds, and looked great. And then the next month it was 4.91. Um, he was the, pretty solid in 2017, though. Or no, it was really just that month. Wasn't no, it? yeah, it was just that month. Last year it was 5.36 ERA all year, not dependable all year. Yeah. 79 ERA plus. Um, and so really he's been, had one good month. Yeah. Um, eh, two good months. July was okay in 2017 as I'm looking at the splits. But uh, but really that's that's all. I don't understand why he's even in this group of three. Well, I do know why because I have a quote from David Bell, uh, Reds manager David Bell. I'm going to tell you that. But, but before I read that, if you're wanting a lefty in the bullpen, I, I just don't see why you wouldn't keep Cody Reed over Juan yeah. Peralta. They have to know that Peralta's not been good. Uh, except for basically his first month with the Reds. And yet, Wandy Peralta had a 0.00 ERA over 10 innings in nine games, walking one and striking out eight this spring. And uh, uh, why that should matter, I don't know what he did in 10 innings this spring, why that should matter more than what he's done over the last two years, with the exception of basically one month. But David Bell said, that's why we couldn't get quite all the way set before we leave today. We have one more tough call because essentially Peralta has been so good this spring that they just kind of yeah. have to keep him. I mean, come on. Really? I mean, I don't love Matt Whistler uh, or Robert Stevenson, but if those are your three options, and I see why they are the three options, and, it's, it, and you stated it well a moment ago, because they're going to need a lot of relievers, you know. Yeah. And so you don't necessarily want to cut people loose. I see why the uh, why Whistler and Stevenson are certainly options. I just don't. I don't see why Peralta's in that trio. Not that I dislike Peralta. He's you know. He's, Listen, I mean, I think three here that 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 we always assume that all baseball players are trying as hard as they can and doing the best they they can. And unless they prove to us that they're horrible people, then then we're perfectly happy to cheer for them. Um, it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of who do we feel like is are the best players to go on the roster based on the evidence that's available to us. Right. So who knows when they're going to make that decision. It will be before we record another podcast. Uh, I'm expecting it to be Whistler and Stevenson because I don't know why you would cut loose one of those guys or take a chance on losing one of those guys to keep Wandy Peralta. That's, you know, I just, it doesn't, I don't know. I don't get it, but uh, I don't get a lot of the things the Reds are doing this week. So, you know, don't expect me to give you the answers. So anyway, um, that's the roster, essentially. That's the only yeah. question still out there. Sinzel's nowhere to be found, and um, we're trying to decide between Matt Whistler and Robert Stevenson and Wandy Peralta. And uh, and Kyle Farmer sneaks his way onto the hashtag best25. Right, because uh, all best25 man rosters have three catchers. <laughs> oh, mercy. Like, I mean, that was... You know, like, it's one of those things where it's like if if you're really if you're really gonna t- like if really if if Nick Senzel really isn't good enough to make the team, how on earth is Philip Irvin not on this team? 
Yeah, really. Yeah. Like, if Sinzel won the center field job based on, you know, spring, wow, I didn't Philip Urban win a spot in the outfield based on his spring. Yeah. It's just it I I don't. Uh I I am I'm truly, completely and utterly befuddled. Just because again, we all knew that this was a very strong possibility, but then the way they went about it, it was like it was like watching the world's worst magician. <laughs> like, like he bends over and like rabbits and aces fall out of his sleeves. <laughs> oh, while the final countdown is playing behind him. Yes. It's a little Joe Bluth uh, Arrested Development reference there for you, Jason. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just they kind of baited us in to believe they were going to do this and then jerk the rug out from under us. And, you know, I was so optimistic. And that's, that's, that's the way I wanted to kind of finish up uh, this discussion. Because you and I tend to be optimistic anyway. Yeah. And you and I were both very optimistic about this uh this team you know i I made the prediction of 91 wins i think you said may have said 92 i did say 92 is your projection and um so my question that i want both of us to try to unpack a little bit here is what does the news that we've seen this week do to our optimism for this season because it's still a fact that the reds did a lot of good this offseason to to improve this roster i mean that's that's still a fact uh, this is a better team than we've seen the last four years. There's no question about that. And I don't want that to get lost. But to me, and I'm still optimistic a little bit because they're better, but the fact that it is absolutely 100% clear right now that the Reds are not interested in having the very best roster on the field and tr- not interested in winning as many games as possible in 2019, and they have their reasons, yeah, which I disagree with, but it's clear that because there are other things that take priority, 2025, um, they're not willing to try to win every game they can win in 2019. There's no question that has some uh, dampening effect on my optimism as we uh, come into opening day. Now, how, how does it affect the way you look at this season and, and the excitement that we always feel coming into a season? It just kind of makes the beginning of the season feel just kind of sour. I mean, odds are it doesn't meaningfully change the the end of the you know the results at the end of the year, but it still it certainly could. Um, you know, it, it certainly is a possibility. Um, but it's just kind of like, oh come on, why why do you got to do this? Why do you got to be this cynical? Like, why can't we just start the season on full? You know? Yeah. Um, we're coming off a four straight seasons where they didn't yeah. make any effort. And especially just with Scooter getting hurt, like right at the beginning of the year. I mean, Lord knows I have had my opinions about Scooter Jeanette, but on no planet would I ever suggest that he wasn't one of the eight best players on this team, the way it was constructed. Right. Like it absolutely made sense to start him at second base and to start Senzel in center. Yep. And, and so, that, but then with him down, and then it makes sense to start Senzel at second base, and there just isn't a question of that. Uh, unless money is a bigger concern, but they're a yeah. business, Jason. They're a business. Here, here's. I, I think this is this is a thing that I will say that I think that sometimes people forget. 
which is that the Reds are a business. And so ownership is, is attempting to make money. And I am a fan and I am interested in watching teams win baseball games. And to the extent that those things are, that those interests align, then great. But when they diverge, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care about Bob Castellini's pocketbook. I care about winning baseball games. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I just don't. That's not, to me, that's, I'm a fan. Just is yeah. what it is. And uh, I understand they're going to make these decisions, but I think it's cynical when you're talking about, uh, you know, keeping him in 2025. And, and let me tell you this, that 2025 team had better be awesome. You know, um, but in order to keep him for that year, when at any time over the next, you know, a few years, next six years, or five years, whatever, they could call him up when he's ready and treat him like a valued employee and you know what sign him to a contract past that year you know he'll be inclined to, that's what's happening these days a lot of guys are signing those contracts to buy out some of those arbitration and free agency years uh you know it's 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 been presented to the uh, fans as this they they're absolutely going to lose him in 2025 if they don't you know if they, if they don't keep him down for a couple of weeks at the end of the season. And that's just not the case. That's a false equivalence or a false dichotomy or whatever. You yeah. know, it's, uh, they can still have him in 2025 and 2026 and 2027. Um, and you have a better chance of doing that if you treat him well, make him yes. want to stay. Yeah. I mean, I am, I don't know. I'm of the mindset and I know, realize not everybody is this way, but some players are. Where if I had been treated like Nixon Zell was come 2025, I would probably say something along the lines of, I will take the best offer from a team that's not the Reds. Or I'm not going to negotiate with you while you're the only team that can negotiate with me because yeah. you didn't treat me with respect. Yeah. You didn't treat me as a professional. You treated yeah. me as a, you know, an asset, which he is. If we're looking at a spreadsheet, for a business. Yeah. Um, but he's also a, a human and, uh, and his, his agent is clearly hopping mad. And, and yeah. I thought that was the most fascinating thing here that may give us a little, a peak. Um, and, uh, you know, the red, the reds, or even if it's just the reds have to overpay to buy out some of those years, you know, which, yeah. which is a possibility rather than getting uh, you know, a little bit of a, like they've done with Suarez and Barnhart, a little bit of a discount. So, you know, Speaking of, of contracts, if I, if I can take a little bit of a left turn here, um, the, obviously everybody knows that the, the free agent uh, environment right now is, is weird. And there has been a rash of contract extensions lately, so much so that it's actually looking like next year's free agent class is going to be pretty weak because um, guys don't want to go into free agency right now. Chris Sale just signed a contract with, that's the guy we were dreaming about, just signed with the Red yeah. Sox. And so the Reds got a couple of guys from the Dodgers who are both 28 years old this year. Uh, and Yasiel Puig and, and Alex Wood. And uh, it, it becomes easier to imagine that midseason those guys might, might be inked to some kind of extension, uh, which would really set the Reds up in, in the long term. Again, if the Reds are willing to to put up the money to actually sign players of that caliber. Yeah. 
it's a distinct possibility. Yeah. I mean, I for a while, I've been kind of dreaming of a 2020 lineup that has uh, Puig, Winker, and Trammell in the outfield, and uh, Votto, Senzel, Peraza, and Suarez across the infield. And, and boy, that would be quite a lineup. That's a lineup that could do a lot of damage. And then, you yeah. know, at that point, you, you're really solely going all in on trying to improve the pitching staff. Once you get all that together, well, and if you and if you sign Wood, then what you've got, you've got Gray Castillo, Wood, Mali, one yeah. more year, Sclafani, and you've got Santian coming along. Yeah, no, you've got some pieces that all of a yeah. sudden start to look really good. Um, I I didn't think the Reds could do anything to dampen my enthusiasm for the team. I don't know, isn't it a shame? It's just it one is. Of those- I was so excited. It's like it's like you're at a restaurant and you've been served just this incredible meal and you're like, wow, everything here has been so good. I'm already full and I'm going to order dessert. And they bring out to you this like soggy piece of apple pie that's been sitting at the like back of the fridge for four weeks. <laughs> it's just like that's a, ter- that's a terrible way to refer to Cal Farmer. How is this? <laughs> Yeah. How is this how I'm going to finish this meal? <laughs> uh, exactly. I mean, it just, I was so excited to get to the starting line. And now it's just, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to boycott the team. I'm not going to, you know, I, I, we talk about the Reds every week here and twice this week. And we, you know, are writing about the Reds and I'm, you know, I'm going to follow them. But I, I got to tell you, I had thought about heading up for the first weekend. I'm not, I'm prop, well, I'm definitely not going to spend a dime on the Reds. Oh my God! Until Sinzel is here, Chad, I, I have to break in. Trent just tweeted something. Oh really? Yeah. What did he just tweet? You're not gonna like it. <laughs> oh no! Let's hear it. Nick Sinzel left a minor league game with an ankle injury, and the Reds uh, are in, and the Reds are awaiting the results of an examination. Shall we go ahead and record our podcast for next spring when they keep him down to get so they can have that 2026 season? Oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? I'm serious. Why would you say that to me? <laughs> I just I just happened to glance at my Twitter feed and it was right at the top. And I was like, oh, no. Nick, I'm looking at it now. Nick Senzel left a minor league game with an ankle injury and the Reds say they're awaiting the results of an examination. What does it matter? Yeah. He's a minor leaguer. He's not good enough to be on the major league roster anyway. Oh, my goodness. This this thing could not have been bungled. Oh, yeah. I'm not spinning a dime on this team until Nixon sells with the Reds. I'm just not. Oh, God. Um, he could have gotten that angle injury if he was with the big league team, playing an yeah. exhibition in Atlanta tonight. I mean, you know, he could have. Uh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> oh, they've got so many ready-made excuses now to keep him down as long as they want to keep him down. Yep. What's your, uh, well, I want to, I want to get your prediction on Reds wins now in the wake of all this. But before I do that, I said we weren't going to answer any viewer mail, but Aaron Parker on Twitter had a good one on one of your upcoming podcasts where I am sure you're about to go off on the Reds handling of Senzel. Oh yes, Aaron, we did that. 
Feel free to spend a minute or two, if you can, on the Stockholm Syndrome and some of the fan base that cares more about Bob Castellini's wallet than winning games. And we kind of we kind of got into that, but I just wanted to, I think that's a great way to put it, Stockholm Syndrome that cares more about Castellini's wallet than winning baseball games. I wanted to, wanted to mention that, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll just I'll just say what I always say when that comes up, which is that uh, when the Reds want to open their full, you know, financial statements to the public, I'm perfectly happy to have somebody look at those and then take seriously what they say about their budget. Until then, I will assume that they are making money hand over fist because baseball teams tend to gain a ton of value, which makes me think they are very profitable businesses. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so what's your win prediction for the year? 91. Really? Only yeah. dropping only dropping one. Only dropping one. Okay. I'm going 84. Wow. <laughs> you just dropped seven wins. Right, and it's not because of any specific thing that's happened here. It's more that I was under when I said that they were going to win 91, I was under the impression they were going to try to win as many games as possible. And now I don't have that faith that they're going to make the decisions uh along the way that will lead to uh, the most wins possible. So I think they're still a good team. They're still much better. I still think they're going to be, you know, um, a 500 or better team. Uh, I no longer think they have the opportunity to really surprise people this year because I don't think, I don't think they care to, I don't think they have any interest in that this year. I think, I think next year's the year they're going to go all in. So that's why. All right, um, boy, I hate it. You know, the Sinzel thing, if he's out for an extended time, that really hurts the Louisville Bats. I hate that. It will make games in Louisville much less entertaining, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get to see Nick Sinzel up close again. I don't think I was. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, they don't open at home until the 11th. All right. I that by then he'd be on a flight to Mexico. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on the Reds as this? Because this is the last time we will talk on the podcast until uh, the season has begun. Any any final thoughts? Uh, I do, despite it all, still like baseball for some reason. So go Reds. Yeah, go Reds. I think they're still going to be much more fun to watch than they've been in recent years, even if my enthusiasm has been sort of tamped down just a little bit uh, with, the, with the news this week and even more so after hearing this news tonight. Um. Go Reds. Yes. All right. Uh, this is Red Leg Nation Radio, the world's most dangerous podcast, episode number 259, right? 250. Yes, 259. I always lose track of that. Um, I'm Chad Dotson. He's Jason Linden. I'm at Dotson C. He's at Jason Linden on Twitter. We're at Red Leg Radio. And you can also find us at redlegnation.com every single day, talking about the Reds since 2005. Subscribe to the podcast. It's free. Wherever you get your podcasts, uh, we'll be there. Uh, leave us a rating or review if you can. If you like us, talk about us. Tell your friends. Uh, you listen to this crazy podcast uh, with a guy who has this weird accent and also uh, Chad. Uh, yeah. if, if you don't like us, don't talk about us, okay? Jason, it's always good talking, buddy. Always a pleasure, Chad. All right. For Jason Linden and Nick Senzel, this is Chad Dotson saying... So long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.